Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 211 of Cyclocross Radio. On today's show, we're back in the pit with Zach and Michael, and we're talking about BOM, or is it okay to say BOOM? In fact, we're going to talk about that, plus all the racing that happened. It's a great show. We got some letters. We got some voicemails. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do it at feedback at cxhairs.com. Or you can call the helpline at 405-CX-HAIRS, C-X-H-A-I-R-S. You get to figure out what those numbers mean. Pull up a dial pad. It'll be a fun little retro game for you to play. I also want to tell you about the CX Hairs Bulletin, which is a new project that Zach and I have undertaken. We're basically giving you all of the cyclocross news that you want, that you need, from commentary to analysis to start lists and results and videos and even this podcast right into your inbox many times a week. So you're not going to be left out. You're going to be part of the conversation and you can get all of it by going to cxhairs.substack. That's S-U-B-S-T-A-C-K.com. cxhairs.substack.com. Just go down in the show notes. So the link's right there. And then you can sign up and you'll get at least one free article a week, maybe more, but at least one. And if you subscribe, you're going to get them all and you're going to be the most informed cyclocross fan out there. On top of that, I still want you to support the Wide Angle Podium Network. Lots of great content going up from all of your favorite shows. So get over to WideAnglePodium.com. And that's about all I have for you. Episode 211. Hey, go buy some uh, oat milk. WillisKitchen.com. Put in the uh, code CROSSHAIRS20. You're going to get 20% off of that order. Okay. I think that's it. Episode 211, Cyclocross Radio with Zach and Michael. We're talking about BOOM, and we're doing that right now. We're back in the media pit. Michael, how's it going? You know, Zach got all excited for Wout Miss. I got to say... I'm excited for Vanderpolstis. Shout out to someone who dropped that on the CX Hairs Bulletin. That was good. Yeah, I think that was uh, Josh Gorman, I believe. Nice work, Josh. You made the show. <laughs> I, I well, I actually I had something, but it didn't play out because I really wanted to be like, we love the Lars, the Lars that go boom, but. I mean, I guess he kind of went boom, like he didn't show up. So, I mean, that was my other. Yeah, I mean, we're, I don't want to jump ahead, but I do I do have questions. Is he gone again? <laughs> Will he come back? <laughs> I have to say this. I, I, I feel like, and, you know, this has been in the, you know, some people on the internets have, have criticized this, but I feel like anytime it's mid-race and it cuts to Lars going to the planks, you just know you know it's going to be bad. Like that never that never works out. And lo and it behold, he happens often. But he was weird. He was like in tenth, and then he fell, and he just kind of like casually got back up and got his bike, and he still finished eighth. Like it was just like totally casual about the fact that he crashed and fell off his bike. I I, I feel like at this point with everyone, and I don't know, but it's something maybe you should find out it, it, with everybody being able to proficiently ride the planks, you know, kind of what I went over in this latest CXs and Os. Are, are there now, are we now implementing crash drills into plank riding? Like, is that is that part of the game? Because you used to have it when, you know, people weren't doing it as much and you just get these, like, really horrible looking yard sales where people are like, oof, you know, and... <laughs> taken off on stretchers and that that kind of thing and now you know i mean lawrence sweck last week was I, that that was bad it's like that he got up and kept racing was insane because that just looked like it hurt a lot but this one we had you know who uh the champ ryan ryan camp with a with a sweet save little 360 there was able to keep going and then and then vanderhar you know sort of a soft tumble and then was able to get back up and go so i i, I feel like even even in the even when they get it wrong, they're much more proficient in the way they get it wrong than they used to be. 
yeah, you know, as long as you land softly, you can. Uh, Whoa! Get back Shout out! <laughs> wow! Self promotion wow. there. Nice. So here's my first question for you. We we talk a lot about pronunciation on 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 the show, where people like to talk at us or at any American or Western English speakers about how we don't know how to say Dutch words, which is fine. But I, I think there needs to be like some exceptions. Like for instance, when you say woot, there's no English word where O and U together is oo, right? I mean, that's just like that's just a mispronunciation. There's like thorough, there's like bout, you know, bout wout. So it, you know, it 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 works. You should be able to pronounce that. But if you have boom in front of you, I don't want to say boom. It's boom? Yeah. That's lame. No, it's exactly. Boom. So wait, is it is it Lars Bohm? Yes. Yes, Lars Bohm. Lars Bohm. I mean, all, well, like the thing, it's it's tone, right? It's tone. Mm-hmm. Tone, bone. Oh, yeah. Not so, tune, yeah, boom. Good point. You're not tune. So. And, and I'll go with tone. I'm fine with tone. But man, you just got to be able to... You, you, Dutch-speaking people, you have to give us this one. <laughs> That's my plea. That's my plea at the beginning of the show. You have to give us boom. All right, well... We'll see what happens in the, uh, the comments afterwards. <laughs> this is brave. This is brave territory we're venturing off into. It is. It is. It's very much so. So uh, I guess either that or, or we can just go retro. Let's just call it the GP Niels Albert. You know what happened? Did he did he used to like give a stipend or something? Was there some sort of did he show up for? Media day. Is what? he from? Is he from Bohm? Like maybe he's from there. I don't but know. But then, what is he like? Did he sell his shop? Is he no longer uh, associated with cycling? <laughs> he just got like written out of the race. He's just well, done. Where is the? Where is he these days? We usually get the gratuitous uh, picture of Niels. Where's he at? Well, I, I don't think he's been uh, helping anybody out recently. You know, ever since him and him and Wout went their separate ways. Well, I, I have, like, I will say, I, I do like this, and I, I think we should do more of this in the U.S. and name races after people. And I think, to me, the obvious one is I think we need to rename uh, Happy Birthday, by the way, uh, in retrospect, tomorrow when we're recording this now. But Katerina Nash, I think we just need to rename Jingle Cross after Katerina Nash, because, like, that is like her it. race. I think we should do more of this. Yeah, GP Katerina Nash. But, but JC? Katarina Nash. <laughs> any others? Are there any uh, any others that we need to? We Can need we to... rename that race in Colorado after um, Katie Compton? The no, you should re- you should rename. Shimano. No, you should rename Grenogue after Katie Compton. Okay. You know, biggest race in Delaware. Biggest racer from Delaware. Let's uh, there you go. Get them all together. Anything else? Any others right, so- we got? Um, I mean, I don't, it's tough to, to think, I mean, they, they move around and, um, you know, I mean, I think another one that comes to mind is like Matthew Vanderpool's one Degum like every year since he yeah. was like six. So that one, they might need to, to rename after him, but it's not even but like, uh, you know, well, so that I guess that sort of, uh, goes along those lines. Are they going to rename like the GP Audrey Vanderpool to like the you know, at Hooger Hyde, is it going to be like the GP David Vanderpool now? <laughs> <laughs> he needs something. I mean, right, poor let's guy. give him that. Poor guy. <laughs> let's just give him the race name for, for crying out he loud. Can, <laughs> yeah, um, Matthew's like, you can have near pelt. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a fine race. I don't know why I'm picking on that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Should we talk about should we talk about uh GP the the bike race formerly known as GP Niels Albert GP Tomorrowland the bike race at Tomorrowland yeah Bigger draw bigger draw at Tomorrowland Armin van Buren or Wout van Aert Ooh probably van Buren Yeah I think so Yeah I mean that would be that would be spectacular if they're bringing in 400,000 for the for this race <laughs> Um, so I don't know. I'll just, I want to start off and say that I 
really like this course as opposed to some other races we watched recently. This is just a, a feature-filled course also with the additional sculptures, um, the troll sculptures, which is pretty awesome. Just added like another fun element and man, the light during that men's race at the end when it just sort of like blew everything up and it was glowing. I, I just was so excited to see the photos. It just ah, looked beautiful. Also, the and I wonder about this with the um, with crowds. If they, I wonder if un, under this no public allowed at the venue, if the drone operators are given more like go crazy because they right. can fly wherever they want. Where you know, at least in the U.S., you have like all these FAA regulations. You can't fly over crowds. You can't do this. You can't do that. And without that, I mean, between the no crowds, you know, that we talked about last week, and you're getting to see more of the venues, and then those drone shots, it's, it's, it is a whole new viewing, you know, it just looks different this year. It's great. And some of the shots they had between the, the long sweeping shots with the drone and then even with just with the normal um, uh, cranes out there. Just, just looks spectacular, and it's so open and flowing that you just got this like long sweeping shot. So it, it was definitely visually, definitely a cool, cool looking race. I think I agree with Michael that I feel like uh, Super Prestige Bohm had a moment. You know, I I mentioned in the preview that I wrote, it's typically this like October race. Like last year, it was the second weekend of the year, so usually it's really nice and sunny i mean last year was muddy sorry check that but it's it's you know it's after heat and we're like oh like heaton's pretty cool like on the beach or whatever and you go to bohm and you kind of forget about it and we saw with like uh on the women's side like just kind of like a a a rogues gallery of women who have kind of won the race and so i think it kind of gets overlooked but man that was a sick court like it looked challenging and hard and with the conditions like it was technical and challenging i mean i thought and on top of that you just you got those sweeping shots to just see the vastness of this venue i don't know i think i think it had a moment i think i felt like i saw that course in a different light and was like well this is a legit super prestige course yeah like like it went boom in your head (laughs) the dynamite it went boom i i I think that any any track that and we'll talk about this, you know, we'll get into this. It was especially crucial in the men's race. But I think a, a mark of an exceptional track is if you can crash when you're riding uphill. <laughs> right. Yeah. And this course, I mean, like the fact, just think about this course, like how many climbs it has that are sustained, like 10 to 15 second climbs, at least two, I think, you know, maybe a third. But like they really, that, that, I mean, Maybe a concert venue is the perfect place for a cyclocross track because it has that built-in amphitheater. I don't know which one came first, but I just like we see that at the um, the race that's at Brussels, right? Is also built around amphitheater, and they just they just really provide for perfect venues. Yeah, you see that a lot in the U.S. as well. You know, I, I can anything that's in a bowl is like just the perfect setup, and that was the one you know thing that was cool about. Cross Vegas is that in that one section was just this huge bowl and you can have people around and you can sort of see a lot what's going on. Should we get into the racing? So yeah, yeah should you, we start with the men? Let's start with the men. That's up to we'll Michael's notes here. I don't want to throw yeah, oh. no Mike. See, he's always gonna he's always gonna say no. You're gonna have to tell right. Him. You know what? Well, we used to do the rough draft, and one time I didn't do things in order, and Bill was like, "No, I got my jokes all written in order." So like, <laughs> like let's let's keep to the yeah. Okay, let's let's stay on brand. Evidently, by you, Nick, saying that, Zach, I get thrown under the bus. That's how that works. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I do have to say, I I mean, we'll see what happens here, but I, I found my way into Bill's secret stash of episode <laughs> notes and dad jokes. So it will be interesting to see how that translates to the uh, to the program here. I'm excited. Well, let me start with that then. Maybe you already know the answer. So Anne-Marie Worth, not, you know, a little off recently. Mixed? Did you notice, Michael? She mixed it up, trying something a little different. Did you see it? No. Wearing glasses on the start line. Yeah. Wow. How could I miss that? Yeah. I love the start line shots, and I totally missed that. Oh yeah. my gosh. I had the clear, clear glasses on. I don't know how long they last. So, but I was like, all right, something new. Yeah. I was, I was 
she did crash later on though. So hopefully those weren't prescription glasses that she usually wears contacts. Yeah. So uh, who wants to start out? Uh, get into the women's race. Zach, I feel like you're probably, you send us some, some numbers. Um, so I feel like you're probably going to get into some of these, some of the stats. Um, but Brand rips off another win and is sort of, is just, you know, kind of going gangbusters. Um, I went back when I initially thought about this race, I thought, yeah, that was all brand the entire race. And I went back and watched it and I, and I realized that we had a pretty good race for, I think for the first four laps where you did see a bunch of back and forth, um, between brand and Alvarado. Um, but really what seemed to be the big thing that everybody talked about, like on the, on the broadcast and thinking about Jeremy and Marty was, was, was the climbs, right? That's where we saw kind of the difference. And it was, did it really come down to the gear selection, like brands gear ratio? Um, kind of looked like that. Do you guys have any thoughts? Do you see any other, any other body language or things that maybe proved it was more than that? I, I mean, I think I, I, I don't know how much that played into it. I do know that brand as she brand is at a point where she's going so well. And we've seen this in the last couple of weeks where she is, she can, she can make mistakes. She is, is Interesting. such a step ahead of everyone now that she is, has, can make a slip up. She can crash. She can get eight to 10 seconds behind and still come back and still win races. And you know, the, you, you were right. It was like lap four that she did that where she went down. Alvarado gets out. Alvarado attacks. She gets through the sand. She's up by eight seconds. It was it was that first climb off of the cobbles, and Brand erased it. I mean, she erased a eight second gap in like three seconds, and just was like right up Wasn't on her that wheel. Wild. That was. I mean, and part of it was the part of it's the way the camera was, but like you're like, oh, there goes. That. Wait, what? The Brand just out of nowhere off the right side of your screen is all of a sudden wheel to wheel with Alvarado. It was like, whoa. What just happened? Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting, right? Because she came into that. So it's like a cobble climb. It's a, And then it's a slight cobble climb. And then it goes up a really steep dirt pitch. And so Brand hits that pitch with so much more momentum. And just going three times as fast as Alvarado. And like at that point, I was like, that's where the question is like, okay, so she's she's been in a higher cadence, but is Alvarado tired? Like, Like, why is she going so much faster? than Alvarado at that point. That's also, you know, you talk about the gear choice and maybe that has something to do with it and maybe Alvarado is just, you know, a true champion and and isn't going to blame her gear. But even after the race, she was like, yeah, it's frustrating. She's just better than me on the climbs. I mean, she she conceded that, that that right now Brand is just better better than her going up. And that's that's what was the difference in the race. Well, and I guess in my, that's kind of the thing I, in the, I guess, what I call it, race ramblings that I wrote over at the CX Hair Substack, which you can read if you haven't already subscribed, uh, that if you look back, like uh, Alvarado finished a minute down at Beringen, super climby race. Um, she finished two minutes down at Kopenberg. Uh, Brand kind of kicked her butt at Tabor, which was a super climby course. So yeah, I think we're starting to see where, you know, that's a, a weak spot for her. Um, you know, fortunately, you know, we'll see Namur next week. Havara is, I think, a little climby, but fortunately, Worlds is a sand race <laughs> um, at Ustend, which we did learn this week is happening with no fans. So that'd be kind of an interesting experience, but it's going to happen. It's on the coast. Um, and so I, I guess at least in that regard, um, I think that'll create a little bit more interest. I mean, depending on where we're at, but I would say right now, if it was a super climby course, if it was like at Valkenberg, I would say that brand is the unequivocal favorite between the two of them on that kind of course. Yeah. And, and early on, you know, we had, uh, Betsma up there as well. And I think just as, as we've seen in a lot of these other races, she kind of has this plan to try to bust open the race early. And it just, you know, Beringen, right? That was the race you won. Beringen aside, she she hasn't been able to to make it stick, and it's 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 come down to, I mean, we're kind of down to two now. You know, Brand Brandon uh, Alvarado are the are the two two left at the end, really really fighting it out. Before we get to the really our middlers, middler sub sub, not really sub toppers. Yeah, I think middlers and and talk about them. You know, the one thing that I think people would be 
or we would be remiss if we did not talk about was the pit exchange, which um, yes, I think that you know pit is exchange pit exchange, <laughs> arguably the game changer in here, and and it may have been you know Alvarado was did voice some frustration over that that it broke her rhythm it took her took her out of it basically they went in to change bikes uh un, unlike bonsa in the world this time um brand was able to get the <laughs> get the exchange the exchange happened behind her not in front of her and she was able to get onto her new bike and go away but the her bike that she was handing off you know was dropped and it was dropped right into alvarado's path the crazy thing is that alvarado came into the pits before her right like she was that that was the one that's the thing that just makes it just crazy because she came in first brand's right there but brand is in one pit stall further down the pits than alvarado so she sort of like scoots in in front of her drops her bike and then brand in and uh alvarado is just like stuck there and, and it's a second or two brand to her credit did look back did see what happened uh, you know, noted after the race that that she had made a mistake and and that she did not take advantage of it. Um, and and you could see that she she certainly wasn't sprinting out of the out of the pits after it. But it's it's something into consideration. But what do you guys think? I think in the big picture, it stinks that it happened, but I don't think it affected the outcome. I think that brand was stronger in that race. I. I mean, I agree with you, Bill. I think that you, we saw the evidence on the course that Brand could climb better and faster than Alvarado. But I do think, I do think it definitely would take, took a toll on Alvarado because you did. Yeah, you're right. So she, she was riding that downhill after the trolls a lot better than Brand. Brand kept stuffing it up, and then she would get the gap there, and so she she had that lead. And she, you, she was, you know, on her limit, and and that just that just had to totally screw up her game. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, would it have made a difference? Like if that didn't happen, probably not. Brand probably still would have won. And, you know, like you said, it was, it was good to see that she did sit up and then brand actually got fined for, yeah, the UCI threw the flag for a uh, pass interference. <laughs> I was just wondering, like, could Lucinda's pit guys like move to the side, like, just move closer to the course. I don't know. Like I didn't know if there was a way in in which that can be avoided. So I guess my take on it is I think after I think after Valkenberg World, we all became experts in pit box selection. Uh, <laughs> after the famed last lap thing that occurred there, um, so they clearly made the decision I, I, that they were going to pit at this pit and only this pit, um, you know, because they got first choice and they both chose that end, you know, they wanted to be first. Um, and I kind of wonder if maybe after this, like they'll be like, there's a good chance we're going to be together. Maybe we should spread out a little bit and, you know, whoever gets first pick gets the first spot. Uh, maybe it was, uh, I'm assuming Alvarado was number one. So she got to pick that first spot, but it was really weird. I was actually just watching it and like, uh, brand's person who was supposed to catch the bike like kind of didn't step up because alvarado was there and i'm sure there was some like oh i don't want to get in her way but then like man brand did not make much of an effort she just kind of dropped the bike it was all very weird i i've kind of felt for for brand in a way because like her person didn't want to take the bike and it was also cramped um I don't know, but it seems like Michael, to your point, maybe they should have moved somewhere else or try like seen what was happening when Alvarado came in and been like, aha, like here's the thing. She's going to be there and Lucinda's going to have to cut across her. Um, but yeah, I definitely think the fine was warranted. I mean, Brand just kind of dropped her bike like right in front of, <laughs> from Alvarado. She dropped a turtle shell. She did. She pressed down and was it down in A, down in B? Zach, you've been looking at uh, pit exchanges in general, possibly for something we may do on the bulletin. So I, I started just going down the memory hole and looking at old races. And you get back to about the early 2000s, early, mid 2005, 2006. And what we accept as... Uh, responsible pit protocol today versus what was acceptable 
15 years ago is a whole world of difference. Like you may not even had that second person or they may just be waiting to see where the bike lands after you just sort of launch it when you're done. <laughs> it was basically just throw your bike and go get your new one and let things land where they may, you know, and it was just chaos, just complete chaos in the pits. I'm not making an excuse for what happened, but it's like that was just a weekly yeah, you might want to change a bike, but you're going to take your life in your hands when you do. And heck, half the guys in there may not even be changing bikes. They just might be dismounting and remounting because it's quicker to go through the pit lane. And that seemed to be okay, too, at that time. They made up they made up a rule, and everybody accepted it that that was the rule. So um, I think even though these things happen, it's, um, I mean, depending on what your level of chaos that you like in sport may be better, maybe worse in than what it once was. I guess I'll also chime in. I, I didn't offer my opinion on this. I think it didn't matter. Uh, I think Brand had clearly caught Alvarado the previous lap. And she, I mean, she, Alvarado just really struggled. If you watch, she struggled over the top of that first climb. And Brand already had like a six second gap from kind of like two thirds of the way up to like exploding out of the climb. And she was kind of gone. So I don't know. I just. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm on I'm on team. It didn't ultimately matter, but at the same time, I think she deserved a find. Maybe they should go practice it. Um, and maybe stay, sure stay away from each other again. in the pits. I think your 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 CXs and O's, which if you haven't seen it yet, <laughs> was brilliant. This one was really, really good. And you should definitely go watch it. But as you pointed out, like I don't think Alvarado wants to be on brand brand's wheel uh no. moving forward. To, to go along with that, too, people are talking about, um, you know, one of the reasons they may have been there, one of the reasons that this may have ha- brand may even said this, you know, because of the COVID restrictions on the pits. You can't move around. I looked. There's nothing written anywhere. I looked at okay. all of the there's no there's nothing in the World Cup. And then the the super prestige, um, the 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 technical guide, the main thing on the technical guide for the super prestige is that it has all this just phone numbers and stuff. And then it very clearly says that Telenet, Fidea, and Yumbo Visma are allowed to go in one entrance and everyone else has to go in another entrance. That was like my main takeaway from looking at the uh, Super Prestige (laughs) (laughs) technical guide. (laughs) So the sauces get the short shifts? Uh, You know, it's, it's the Telenet Super Prestige. Oh, fair. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and then then wow, wow, yeah, and and as and as you, hey, he is friend. he just like everybody else. Wow, is a is a Fidea alum, so you know maybe he gets a little. Uh... <laughs> oh, hey, man. so we've been. Uh, I feel like uh, speaking of just outside the top five, you know, we've seen we had an interview with uh, Becky over at the Bulletin. If you haven't seen it with Becca Ferringer, and I think she did a really nice job talking about some of the challenge they they face. Um. Yeah, but we were kind of I, I think we were kind of waiting for this to to give it the the coverage that it deserves, but our champs, our champs were representing for the the Great. stars and stripes in the Maple Leaf this weekend. Yeah, coming in 6th and 7th, Clara Clara dieseling it out like she do, you know, starting right. starting back there about <laughs> what, like 15th to 20th and just working her way through the through the course and uh, finishing up in 6th. I actually went and checked. I think she was like 19th uh, after the first couple turns. So we both checked. I, I think I, I saw that the, the cobble climb before that cobble climb, the first deep pitch, she was at 17th in the first lap. Um, you know, so I think her, what her nickname is little Clara. And I, I, there was, I did a profile with her bike and it's little Clara at some point during uh, one of the races, J Powell mentioned glow plugs. And I was like, Maybe that's Clara's uh, nickname, Glow Plugs. Got to get the got to get the Glow Plugs warmed up before you start going. Little Diesel. No, we'll is go that... with it. I, I, yeah, Bill, you, good. you live in DC. Why would you know anything about car culture? Right, I, nothing, zero. <laughs> okay, there's, there's, I'm sure plenty of listeners out there who know what Glow Plugs are. But when you have a diesel truck or a car, you turn the ignition a little bit, let your Glow Plugs warm up, then you start the car. So, um, that's that trick all you make, learn thank when you. You're... Thank you for filling in the gap, my knowledge gaps on that, that, that whole explanation now makes sense. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe glow plugs is not a, like a flattering nickname, but you know, they're right. The little diesel. I mean, Claire, she wrote, and I also wanted to point out in Koitrick last week, she was 20th into the sand and she ended up in 10th. So we're seeing that, that progression, that way she rides through the field. Um, there was an article I think put out by SRAM, maybe interviewed, uh, uh, Jose being interviewed her, but really she kind of just like called a race very Ruthian. She was like, yeah, I need a few races to sort of like shake off the dust and just get used to racing. Like it's so much faster over here. Like sort of kind of what echoing what, uh, Becky said, like, you got to kind of be angry a little bit, you know, like elbows are sharp. They're out there. You just got to like, don't take it personally, but that's the way you have to race over there. And it's something you had to get used to with no racing in America. So Really great to see um, Will Diesel uh, get that get that sixth place finish. All right, before we get away from the women's race, any anything else we got to cover? Yeah, I just you know, as I said earlier, Zach sent us some cyclocross metrics over the weekend, and I was really curious. One stat he left off was winning in percentage. And like when you think about winning percentage in cycling, it's it's not like really a metric, especially in road racing. Like you don't like you like lose a lot of races, you know, compared to the ones you win. But in cyclocross, it's a little bit different. And Brand has now won six races this year out of twelve. So she has a fifty percent winning percentage. But I thought like that's that's pretty 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 good um, for for any sort of racer. And I was really kind of curious like how that compared to other winning percentages sort of, you know, in the women's field and in the men's field. And so, you know, actually Lucinda Brand had a winning percentage of 50% um, the year that she made the big, you know, mistake in the pit, you know, like where she was sort of on a tear. Um, I was actually curious, you know, what what was Sven Nee's like highest winning percentage back when he was like sort of, you know, winning all the races. And he won 27 out of 39 races, um, in 2006-2007 for a 69% winning percentage. Of course, like any sort of like time you you, you like run these stats, you kind of have to throw out Manderpool, right? Because he's just like, you can't really like, you can't what like... What was his winning percentage last year? 96%? <laughs> I mean, I didn't even calculate it because like, he, what, he lost two races? He lost one race? He lost one. Right. So like it's, you just, we just, we can't, we can't like pay attention to that. So I was like, all right, so what, like what, what about women? Like anybody had like a higher percentage than that? So Mariana Voss, um, in 2011, 2012, she won, uh, 17 out of 19. So very, you know, Vanderpool is the new Voss, you know, in, in terms of winning the races, obviously it's a sort of different field back then. Um, but I was really curious, you know, so what, what's a winning percentage for a world champion last year, Celine Del Carmen Alvarado, she won 16 out of 30. For fifty three percent, so I don't know. It's just it's interesting to kind of see like some of these numbers and, and how they compare. And, and if Brand continues its streak, she'll have a really, really good and comparable uh, winning percentage for a full season. Which I think that's a pretty, pretty good indicator of like how like if you're elite or not. Like I don't know. Maybe that's a new sort of like way we define elite. Yeah, and I think it's also a good one, like you were just running down in cyclocross, in that we do see it where if you get hot, you know, it it's not just luck of the draw like it is in road sometimes that that you're going to win the race. If you are in hot, if you are hot in cyclocross and you don't have some, you know, misfortune, your your chances of winning are pretty high, and we see that that over and over through the years. Yeah. Nice. That was some quality stat statage there. Yeah. Like, that was that was pretty baller. Thanks for doing that, man. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, maybe, maybe I'll I can share my spreadsheet with you, Zach, and you can uh, use it in your next post. <laughs> Beautiful. Should we move over to the men's? Let's do it. All right. This is this is this is like the the, the men's race. I don't know. It it seemed like we we've seen a lot of a it's seen a shakeup here over the last couple of weeks, right? We had the emergence of Mikey V. We got Ailey trying to to prove his dominance. We had Lauren Sweck show up for a cup of coffee. Uh, we got <laughs> Wout Van Aert, you know, fighting for podium. So it really seemed like this was going to be. Oh, and Tone Air, who everybody's forgotten about, including myself, right now, uh, <laughs> still wanting to uh, 
sort of show that he's he's still a factor in here. And I think that played out early. I mean, we had we had a really nice battle uh, for the first several laps of all of those guys um, taking their shots at the front. You know, you had Van Torn out, out there for a little while, and then he dropped back. Same thing was really wasn't Sweck's day, but Tone, I mean, was in it to win it from the beginning. And he was, again, we can talk about if that's the right strategy for Tone Eretz to really go out and go all in especially when the sauces now seem like really good at hanging back and, and sort of taking their time and then attacking. I don't know. What do you, what do you guys, what do you, what's your initial thoughts, Zach? What's your initial thoughts on this, this men's race? Well, now the train is done going through my neighborhood. <laughs> jump in here. Oh, it's a nice podcast edition. Uh, yeah, I think if I remember correctly, it was a interesting mix uh, at the front. I think, you know, we kind of expected this, and uh, Bill, this is this was in your show notes, and we'll get to this. But I think having Wout in the mix definitely makes things more interesting. Um, you know, because Portone has been there all alone. But the uh, the Torments boys, have we figured out like, do they have a name besides just the Torments boys? Do we figured out like what a Torment is? <laughs> no. Okay. So anyway, so the the Quinton and Cornet, they were up in the mix too, you know, and we'll we'll find out that Cornet had a really really solid race. So it was an interesting. We didn't see kind of like the splintering that maybe we've seen from some of the races. We actually had a decent group with many teams represented. I thought it was interesting and different. Um, you know, but at the same time, I'm guessing it kind of allowed the sauces to kind of like you know get their cards in order and figure out what they were going to do to kind of like wreck havoc with the rest of the, the riders in that group. Yeah. I, I think in one thing about the Tormans briefly is like, they'll, they'll be at the start of the race, but they usually have an exit like two laps before the race finishes. Um, yeah. So I think with wow in the mix, what was interesting is that it seemed like there was a period where once he finally bridged to the front, he sort of went to the front and just rode for a while. And the sauces were like, okay, like, go ahead and do that. Like, there's there's three of us that, you know, at some point camp was still there. So, I mean, like, they had Ellie, uh, Mikey, and uh, camp. So, I kind of, you know, and, 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 and Wout did have spots on the course, and, and I was kind of surprised, or maybe not surprised. Like, it was interesting because, like, Wout is, you know, he's, 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 kind of bulked up like he looks strong and i wasn't sure you know how he's gonna do on a really a, a, a course like this with these climbs and then of course you remember that you know he was in tour de france and he was you know like he was actually driving the cusp bus for a while um so it, it it almost like you saw a few times where he really was able to punch it up those hills and kind of really put the rest of the riders sort of on the rivet um, but something kind of, ha- I don't, I don't know if he like blew up a bit or just went a little bit too hard, but at some point, you know, Ellie attacked and, you know, he'd not been sitting on, but like he sort of was able to take advantage of Wout doing all that work. And so I don't know. I mean, Wout was sort of disappointed after the race and he, he didn't think he had a good race. I mean, I'm just, I'm curious I guess we're not going to see Wow race Vanderpool this weekend, unfortunately. But I'm, I'm interesting to see how that plays out the rest of the season. I mean, he also like he got fourth, so he screwed up his OPP. I'm really bummed about that. I don't know. I think Wow was fine on the climbs. You know, he was one of these guys who crashed uphill and then had to <laughs> push great. his push his bike like he was working at the, he was a mechanic working at the shop and putting them out for the day. Sort of on the back wheeling up, or or like the guy who puts them out onto the World Cup uh, podium. You know, you always got to roll them out there, uh, <laughs> almost upside down. But I think that Wout's biggest issue, and I think Zach, you you saw this as well, is that he doesn't have he, and maybe it was he was yelling at his pits a little bit about tire pressure, and he did go down. But every time on the descent, he looked hesitant. You know, and these were these tricky, muddy, slippery descents and it looked like he would let a gap open up so where those guys are conserving matches going around those turns and back up to the climbs he's always got it he's sort of in that yo-yo and he had to close down that gap every time 
which is, you know, wasting a lot more energy where they're, they're kind of in that flow, you know, and there, there was this, that long sort of ski slope descent that looped back around that those guys were just ripping. And you could see there was one, I think, I don't know if it was a Tormans or it was Van Tornout who was stuck behind Wout and had to like, you know, grab brakes just to be like, it, it, it was almost like, dude, come on, let it go. Let's ride this thing. <laughs> Uh, stuck behind him. So I think that was one of one of his issues that he just once those skills come around, I think he's going to be great cuz still it's still there. You know, I mean, you see him, he's picking lines that no one else is are, is picking and they're better lines, you know. I mean, he's still like one of the best ever to do this sport. It's just going to I think take another week or so until he's uh going going all in and has the power and the skill. Yeah, and I I think that uh You'll have to read the email uh, here soon. Um, you know what? Just read the email. Read the email. Because this, this I think, is a perfect lead-in. Like, let's let's go to the email. Where did it go? Oh, there it is. Okay. All right. I will read the email. This is uh, from Johnny. Johnny CC. He writes, I don't know much about cyclocross, but what is it with Ezerbeat? I mean, we don't like him. He is short, and why can't we just not talk about, or why can't we just not talk about him? Who is he anyway? I mean, the other guys are better looking and taller, and he's just trying to take away from our fanboy stuff for the other guys anyway. Maybe the Belgies could just pull him. He always tries to win. What a jerk. He's not even elite, and he tries to win. I mean, that would be okay if we liked him, but we don't. Please never talk about him again. I think somebody is uh, um, some, some, some satirical commentary towards how we may be treating Mr. Ezerbeat, Zach. So as you pointed out, some of us may have called him a prick. I don't know. I guess that happened. But you know what? Like, I have to say, I think we saw last year where Ezerbeat thought he was going to be the man when, when, especially when Vanderpool came, uh, started racing. And he faded pretty hard and was definitely not the man. And we saw Tone kind of moved up to be second best rider besides Vanderpool. Um, Ailey's racing really well. I think at, at this point, it's really hard to not respect the fact that like his cyclocross game is pretty complete right now. And, you know, I think he knew that he could win that race. And we talked about him being the Grinch who stole out miss, but I mean, he was the best man out there for sure. Like he wanted to win this race. He played it perfectly. He's obviously an intelligent dude who knows how to pick his spots and he's not out there making like, He's not blustering in the way of like, Haha, I'm going to tap in lap three and think I'm going to drop you. But like, he knows when it's time to go. He's technically proficient. He's powerful. He's strong. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens. I think with Vanderpool coming back, I think, you know, last year we saw where Vanderpool had to start on the third row in Tabor and barely won because it's really hard to win a race off the third row, even if you're Vanderpool. So I'm kind of curious, I'm guessing Vanderpool will be a first row starter, but. I don't know. I it could be interesting. I think Ailey is racing the best that I've seen him thus far in his career. Yeah, I think Vanderpool's still fifth, so he'll be he'll be up there. And okay, all right, scratch that then. All right, anyway, <laughs> I think so. I think that's what I was looking at today. I may be wrong. Yeah, he yeah he's fifth. Yeah, just pulled it up right now. But but I think you're right, and I think Zach to to go along with that in that race, he wasn't under pressure ever. Uh, he he had that whole thing under control, and I think what we saw in the last couple weeks was there's one guy out there who can pressure him, and it's Michael Van Torn out. He he's <laughs> the one guy that when he gets out there, Ailey's like, uh oh, you know, if if he's on a good day, I'm gonna have I got my work cut out for him. And you saw it, you saw like the the just intense bobbing back and forth at Tabor. That was like, I mean, there was still a little bit of a bob, but it was more of like a controlled, I got this, not a problem, Bob, until, you know, he had his chances and then then he was gone. And the other thing was like he 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 stayed clean the whole race. And the guy just he he didn't go down. He didn't he didn't have any mishaps, you know. Tone slipped out a couple times and just was wasn't able to recover. Wout was not racing clean. I mean, Ailey just uh, raced a perfect race on that one. I do want to point we you know we talked about Wout and him picking the right lines but I will say I feel like Bill you can correct me if I'm wrong I feel like he kind of made an amateur mistake when Ailey got his decisive gap there was the the left hand turn into the uphill he had ran it 
pretty much every other lap. Um, he tried to ride it. And what's the old adage? If you can't ride it every single time, even in pre-ride, don't ride it in the race. And I think he kind of, I don't know, he hadn't been riding it. And in mid-race, he decides that he needs to do it at that point. And it just struck me as kind of like desperate. I don't know, hubris yeah. or an amateur mistake. I don't know. What did you What did you guys think? So that that was right. So that was where the climb where that was the right for the troll climb and the, the troll, troll climb the troll yeah. climb. And Wout's actually leading up that climb, and that's when Ellie passes him. So that's it's so it's interesting to to think about. He changes his tactic once he sees that Ellie is riding better than him up the climb. So yeah, I think that's probably a sort of a panicked move there where you're not like he's blown a little bit and not quite thinking clearly. I mean, I kind of, I kind of agree with you, Zach. Yeah. I was just, I was just surprised because it's like, it was like a total teaching moment. You know, I was watching with someone and I was like, here's, here's how this works. If you can't ride it 10 out of 10 times, don't do it. And we saw wow, make that, you know, it's a pretty common mistake that we talk about it you know, most levels of cyclocross, whether we be, you know, three-time world champ or not. So it's just kind of interesting uh, to me. And then he did the weird bike thing, which was a total wow move, <laughs> and, I feel like. <laughs> for sure. And of course, the, the, the people in cyclocross who are much smarter than us are going to point out after listening to us right now and go, well, this was just, you know, sort of the first salvo for wow. He's, you know, getting, working on that, that VO2 max, getting his cross legs under him. And now he's going to go do his training camp in, in Spain for 10 days and, and get all that sorted out and then come back and be a, a, a game changer. And I ask, I ask you, Michael, I ask you, is that right? Is he just going to Spain to get put in this training block or is he scared of Matthew Vanderpool? Whoa. I don't I mean, I don't think he's scared of Vanderpool. <laughs> Why would you be scared of my, Matthew Vanderpool? Zach, the last time we thought Matthew Vanderpool, he was losing to Tebow Nice in the triathlon of cyclocross. The guy can't beat a junior. Well, I said last time Wout saw him, he beat him in Flanders. I mean <laughs> Yeah, but that's road racing. Totally different. I forgot about that weird cross event where they like did the uphill like sand run. Oh man. Um so one thing about talking about Wout's lines, after the after the troll climb, there was that downhill, slippery downhill, and Wout took the sort of inside line every time. And I I, I didn't know if it was faster or not. Like it seemed that he had to break a lot to make that inside turn high, whereas everybody was kind of going left or wide and coming down low. It was a line that Brand continually fucked up. So that was, I don't know. I couldn't figure out what was the right move there. I don't think he was comfortable. And I think, you know, it, we, we saw it while watching. He was yelling at his pits a couple times. He obviously didn't like the, you know, especially after he slipped out, he didn't like the tire pressure he was running. I just, I just don't think he was comfortable on any of those descents. I'm with Bill. I felt like it was kind of the safer play because you kind of had to get a little bit loose. I don't know. It, you're right. You scrub speed, but there was a rut that formed and it just seemed like the rut was kind of a safe play or something. But gosh, he was losing time in that like repeatedly. <laughs> he really struggled with that. Yeah. So speaking of Wout's technical skills, I feel like we have an email that's dealing with um, Wout's bike. Okay. We do have a letter here from Paul. Bill, I guess he doesn't want to talk to you guys. <laughs> I know the show isn't about CX equipment. That's why he addressed it to Bill. <laughs> right there. Answer the question right there. However, our brand, <laughs> our brand rings out far and wide. <laughs> However, Wout's team changes bike brands on January 1st. He is on the Bianchi Zolder CX and Yumbo changes to Cervelo on the 1st. Cervelo doesn't have a CX bike, only the gravel Aspero. Uh, I was just in Athens, Georgia for a CX race and there were a couple racers on the Aspero on a muddy technical course. The Cervelo looked good in the mud, which I like. I like the hubris here of, of comparing 
the Asparo in Georgia. I'm sure it was a fine race, but <laughs> maybe a little different than, than racing the World Cup. But the, the one thing I will say, Michael, before you give us the answer on this, is that where did Newenhouse finish in this race? Unremarkable. <laughs> Isn't he still on the Cervelo Aspero? That's uh, yes. He finished seventeenth. Okay. All right. Maybe that's. Maybe. Do you think it's just a bike? Is it all about the bike, Zach? No, but I will chime in with my modicum of bike knowledge. And I, you know, in a muddy race, the gravel bike has more clearance. I mean, uh, it's not a secret that some of the narrower bikes can pack up and you get kind of crammed in there so they've got all that big tire clearance for those 47 650b's or whatever maybe that's why it ended up being the smart play down in the uh sweet georgia georgia clay mud i mean so yeah we we don't know what he's going to what's he's gonna do next year i mean maybe he's gonna be riding a rebadged what Stevens, right? Maybe, maybe that's a thing. Uh, <laughs> that is the, the, that is the, the rebadging of rebadging the Stevens. Yes, for sure. I mean, the one thing I, the one thing I thought was interesting though, the Bianchi, his his current bike is it really has a lot of like has like very crux vibes going on with the pro down the fork. Like I, I first thought he was riding a crux, so. I was surprised to see a Bianchi sort of sort of ape the the paint job from an American bike company, but whatever. So you're saying wow to quick step next year. Is that that what that's <laughs> well, here's my question for you, Michael. Yeah, he's gonna lead out Cavendish. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. All during the tour and all during the classics, all we heard about was like, oh, the Bianchis have rim brakes, rim brakes, rim brakes. Oh, isn't it great? There's actually rim brakes, rim. And then he gets to cyclocross and they just wimp out. Why are they out there with <laughs> cantilever brakes? Keep it real. Keep it retro, man. Yeah. It's just like, come on, wow. Save those, save those, you know, it was all about grams on the road. You get rid of those those uh, those cumbersome disc brakes, and he would have been flying up those hills at boom, and flying down the downhills, and not able to stop at all. He wouldn't have to worry about if he was he had the skills or not. Perfect, we solved it. Okay, here's my question before we uh, get into the rest of our letters, and we got a phone call. We we have the Vander Polstis coming up. <laughs> What God, love it. what's your prediction? What happens next weekend with Vanderpool? Zach, starting with you. Double rainbow? That's the question good. is, the question is, what's it gonna mean? <laughs> oh, well done. <laughs> well done. Michael, prediction. Right, my take is my take is Ellie wins Saturday, Vanderpool wins Sunday. Whoa! Whoa! Dude, do you understand like the statistical like you were picking against a 98% winner. That man has won 98% like you're man, I hope you're getting good odds on that because you're 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 2%. I hope you're getting like 50 to 1 on that play. Oh, my prediction Sunday at 11 a.m. We're gonna start to see the tweets about how much we miss cyclocross and how cool it was for the first month when the races were competitive because Vanderbilt is going to win each of these by like a minute. I just want to point out that it's December, Bill, and we've actually had three months of cross. So. Only one month counts. <laughs> but if you put all of them together, two months, two months. I'm with Bill. I, I think like I'm anticipating the people. Um, I don't know. I saw someone who was like on Twitter today was like, I am so excited to see Vanderpool race again. I want to be like, so what at what in which lap are you going to turn the race off on Saturday? Because it's quote unquote <laughs> too boring. All right. Cleaning up my email. I should have read this one right after I read the one from Johnny. This is another Ailey Ezer beat question. This this was a good bookend to to Johnny's email about that I guess we don't give uh Ailey his due. We're not alone. 
Michael uh, wrote, is Ezerbeet the Alaphilippe of CX? Um, <laughs> and and he, uh, he he shouted out the super rookies uh, villain equivalent. So uh, is 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 that it? I think I think that's fair. I think we've sort of put him in the heel spot. No, Michael. No, uh, I I don't know. I don't I don't get down with the slow ride pods hatred of Alaphilippe. Like I actually like him a lot. Um, Ellie, I personally have no issues with Ellie. We sort of, I think, our attitudes come from sort of his inter-team dynamics. I'm sure he's a nice guy if you have to interview him or I don't know. So hard for me to go along with that, but I appreciate what Michael's doing. He's That's some Svenergy right there. I like it. I like it. I like. I. I mean. I. I. I think we are just having fun. I. I have interviewed Ailey before. He was a super nice guy. I. You know. He's always. He's always been cordial and and good to work with. Um. And he. We all know he's 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 one of the best in the world. He has he has been for years. He has been since he was like sixteen years old or or even younger. So it's not like, you know, we we give him Can all I- the respect, but we got to tease somebody. I just want to back up my my prediction for next weekend and just say that we saw Ellie come into last season really hot because he knew that Bout and Vanderpool weren't going to be there. And he had that string of great races and he kind of fell off. We've seen him this year come in hot, kind of kind of dip down a little bit, but maintain that good form and, and kind of and win a race, beat Wout three times. Um, just can still sh- at December showing... Like you said, we said earlier that he is he is the guy to beat in cyclocross right now. So I just think that there's something different this year than than there is last year. So first race back for Vanderpool, maybe he's gonna crash before the flyover and have to wait for the entire field to go past him to get his bike, and that will play out where Ellie will win. Yeah, and but the next the second on Sunday, Vanderpool figured. No, I think you're right, and I think that you know not to get into another and we could sit there and talk about this for an hour i know once i say this zach's gonna be like bling and then we'll be off to the races uh but you know <laughs> last year september ailey was like hey i can go to the u.s and i can steal a couple world cups and then i could be the world cup leader and that's september and then he has to carry that through february so you know just having that much contracted season i think also helps helps him out in that regard. I have no, I have no, I have no qualms with that. I think you're correct. I think he's a year older too. I mean, I think like for younger riders, like these years. I mean, he was a first year elite by age last year, and that's so. I always forget that. Yeah, I think he's going to give Vanderpool a a, a tough. I mean, he wants to win. There's no question that he wants to win these two races. And I could see the the scenario where I could see him. Uh, doing what michael said is vanderpool's just like yeah you know it's like we saw with wout miss like he was like this is my super bowl and i think oh man to beat vanderpool even if it is in one of these first couple races would just be dude is gonna bring it i'm actually pretty excited for saturday's race to see how things go down because uh ailey is racing well uh we've seen that he is hungry i love when he's feisty i love when he's angry i love when he has a chip on his shoulder and i think he's gonna bring it Big time on Saturday. Great. I look forward to the letters uh, just admonishing us for being Ailey stands. Okay. <laughs> um, we got, we're going we're gonna to end up, we got a uh, voicemail that we're going to end up on. Also, uh, Larry, thank you for your email about the U23 women and why they don't have their race. I, I, I looked through all of the regs. I looked through everything. It just doesn't look like there's a classification. Now, I will give you a better answer in the weeks to come, but I'm just going to kick this one down the road for now. But if you look at everything that's going on, there is a men's junior classification. There could be a junior's women classification if they want to. If they want to have those races, it's optional. There is a U23 men's classification. There is a men's elite and a women's elite. And then the U23 are just thrown in there with the women for now. And they don't, they don't break them out. I'll, I'll, you know, if somebody out there has that answer for me and wants to make my research easier, awesome. Otherwise, I'll, I'll try to get to the bottom of that for next week. Bill, before we get to this email, and I, I think I know where we're going with this one, I just have to say, if you're looking for a master class, on how to like let's say that there's a podcast and a group of people that just says oh we like you 
but you're never you're never at the top. You're just never gonna. You know, you might even say you're our second favorite of of whatever it might be. <laughs> just get ready for this master class on how to make a play to maybe be the favorite to move up to be oh, move up from being a subtopper of the you know Canadian <laughs> realm to like a topper. Just saying, yep. you might want to listen up here. Yep, yep. So, all right, I I know you said email and you meant voicemail, but let's get to this voicemail and uh, let's play it right now. Hey, everyone, it's uh, Michael Dunningham. Just going to talk about two things. One, I want to back up my friend Zach Schuster. I think some people were giving him some flack about his criticism on the R-Cast Lines racing style. And But I can tell you, as a pro racer who's won some races and finished second and third many more times, you are not going to win if you don't put yourself in the position to win. And I've been watching the races and sort of repeatedly seeing Yara tagging onto the back of the group um, and not being willing to put in the effort to get to the front. And yeah, she's just not going to win like that. So Zach, your, your, your critique, I guess, of the racing style, I think it's totally valid. Wanted to back you up on that. And the second one, I think a few episodes ago, you were talking about how the fields were not filling up to their 75 rider capacity. Well, let me tell you, I just went on to register for all of the races and they are filling up now. Um, anywhere between 100 and 140 people trying to sign up for those Christmas cross races. So, yeah, with the rules that, that the Belgian Federation put in, um, very valid, of course, trying to keep the field sizes small. But if you are not in the top 50 or if you do not have a star contract, I can see it being really, really challenging to get into those into those events. So, uh, yeah, maybe the UCI rule change wasn't perfect, but it's definitely allowing some of us North Americans who were otherwise losing points like crazy uh, to still get into those races. Anyways, hope you all have a great day. Talk to you later. Lots of stuff. In there, you know, first off, Zach, you now have the the support of a professional racer backing up <laughs> your, your, your take on Yara Castlane and that she just, she's got to be in it to win it basically. Yeah. Yeah. And actually I picked up on this. Uh, this was an observation. Let's give Michael a shout out in exchange. Uh, him and Jen Jackson recently started a Canuck cross podcast. It's really actually pretty good. Like they, their sound was like really good for a first time podcast and you know they're really fun and uh they shared their take on the racing and i thought it was pretty interesting because they've been there they've done that they've raced curse period they've raced in europe so uh if you're looking for more podcast content give them a shout but that's why i heard it and i was like <laughs> i sent him a message and then uh so maybe i buttered him up a little bit but hey he agrees you got to be got to be in it to win it yeah and then i think his his other point about the because we did talk about that. And I was looking at the start list and they were all in the sixties and stuff. So now that they are filling up, it is going to be tougher. And there is this debate going on about what he mentioned in there as well about the UCI point reset and who it affects and who it doesn't. And they, I think they, they basically, what have they done now? They've, they've, I'm not even sure. Zach, do you know exactly how this worked? Did they, they freeze the points? No, it was any event that was held last year right. that got canceled this year. The points stayed, but like for Euro, so like let's say Bohm, now Bohm 2020 will count okay. and 2019 won't. So it was just kind of a freeze, but but like North America, so Pan Ams from last year will be included on your on your points right now because it, it was canceled for this year. Right, got it. Correct. Okay. And then everything resets next season except for your points scored in at world championships. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That that makes much more sense. So that's why we saw the the North Americans moving back up the starting grid once they implemented those changes and that's what Michael's talking about in that he was able to get into these races cuz he's still in the top 50 even though he hasn't raced the more controversial part of that rule is that they are then wiping out all of your, you know, year to year work and starting everybody the same, except for those people who are able to code to the world championships and get points. So it's basically being anybody in worlds and then everybody else, which puts even more of a premium in these tough times to get over and race worlds. If you're worried about racing next year, right? Isn't that kind of the crux of it? Yeah, um, I it's gonna be for I don't know I I mean I guess 
I think it's going to be kind of a mess at some of these races because I, my understanding is it's going to go to the lottery. And I think, yeah, points are important because you get rewarded for how you race. But it's also we've seen at the starts of races here in the like it's dangerous to have people of different skill levels. And I think we could see I mean, the worst thing would to me would be if we see some stars get hurt in these early races next year because they get crashed out by like a cat two who happened to get a front row call up because of the lottery system. And I just kind of really question if the UCI thought that through. So, I mean, and and also, you know, maybe, you know, Drew Giuliano did a pretty good article on cycling news about this, but, and and Bill, maybe you'll have him on to, to talk about it, but like, isn't there a way, at least in America, where we can figure out, like, I don't know how the lottery system works and that's just a random draw, but it, you know, I know sometimes they do rank them by USAC points or cross result points. And obviously we won't have any because of any races, but maybe there's a way to go back to the year previous and say, well, obviously Kerry Warner should be in the front row at a local UCI race and not, you know, uh, the back of the, of the field. That seems like something that they can make a, you know, they can make a rule, and they're like, "Yes, this is what should happen." But that has know. to come from the UCI level, if it's a UCI race. Got you. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, okay. Then I don't. I guess I don't know what is the lottery. Just is that just a random draw? That's just like throw the numbers in a hat, and where you get picked, that's it. I think so. It's it's typically everyone without UCI points is random draw after the UCI slots have. You know what I think will probably happen, and Bill, we saw this with the rule that ruined U.S. cyclocrosses. I bet they'll come up with something on like August fifteenth that they'll just right. throw in the rules, and because they'll realize, oh shoot, we totally screwed this up, and it'll be some slapdash last minute add on or something, and and we'll be like, oh well, I guess that's solved a week before the season starts. Thanks, <laughs> thanks guys. <laughs> going to edit back like three more minutes and go i think we covered it let's do it again next week sign up for the cx hairs bulletin what's the address zach i always forget it uh cxhairs.substack.com excellent go check it out we'll talk to you all in a week